MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen. everybody welcome back to another episode of one upsmanship that's the number one then the word upsmanship your ship heads i'm michael swain and with me is my good pal adam ganser hey adam hey i love that you keep saying upsmanship is a word i hope we i hope we succeed well, in changing the culture that way <laughs> i feel like i do have to say the number one so that people can search you but do then yeah, yes the word upsmanship is kind of misleading that's <laughs> yeah, true uh happy to be here talking video games with my buddy and today we're talking tunic so buckle sure are yeah uh sure are and on this show we talk all sorts of video games your triple a's and your indies and i always love when we talk a little indie and that's what we're doing today so let's dive right in by passing our first checkpoint and uh entering a segment we call tell me like i'm eight bit adam who do you think should handle it this time Sounds like I got to do it, right? I mean, you're you're zipping us right in, so it's my job to to broaden this out for educational purposes, right? It feels That's my that job. way because we it does. alternate. It feels like whoever does the intro, the other one does the tell me like I'm a bit. But I'll be honest with you, folks, we do not know and we do not plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, like we, to we improv to varying degrees of yeah. success. So on sure, this podcast, you do it. Great, um, I will. Right. I think more people than usual may not have may not be intimately familiar with this game. So, Adam, if I don't know Jack yeah. Squat about this, what is Tunic? Tell me like I'm 8-bit. Well, thank you for that invitation and for that Chris Farley reference. <laughs> Love You're it. You're welcome. Uh, Tunic is an action-adventure game that uh, was developed by indie developer Andrew Schuldice. I hope I didn't brutalize that and published by a company called Finji. It is essentially an isometric Zelda-like, and what that means is it's very similar to, in look and in vibe, 
to the recent remake of Link's Awakening, uh, the Legend of Zelda game that we did cover on this podcast, in fact. Um, it is sort of polygon adjacent, meaning it has a polygonal look, but it's kind of been smoothed over and cutified. And you're playing as a nameless fox hero uh, who is trying to discover uh, what is going on in this world that you are you know, walking through and trying to put all the pieces of a instruction manual slash map slash guide to the world together. They're all sort of scattered throughout and uh, ultimately restore the world to its original state, I believe. Um, it's also a little bit Dark Souls-like, uh, which is to say that it's a game where when you die, you leave your soul, which has some monetary value at the spot where you died, and uh, it's very... Uh, it's got a sort of a stamina based more like attack. XP value. Sorry, I, this is yeah, going to yeah. be a lot no, no, of my argument, right. so I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Oh, great! It is like XP value. I, I think I agree with that. Um, it it has the Souls mechanic of being very dodge centric, stamina centric. It's mostly sword, uh, sword fighting, and it's a little. There's a little bit of like sort of magic slash shooting projectile fighting, but very little. Um, and it's, uh, the reason I call it a Zelda-like is it's mostly solving puzzles about how to get to the next spot and, uh, opening access to new areas and interpreting this, uh, vague slash, uh, meta-narrative map into concrete plans, uh, that you can use to sort of get into the next area. It's, it's very cute. It's also very nostalgic as a game, like definitely knows that it's imitating other games, uh, is doing that on purpose, and it was wildly acclaimed this year, which I mentioned because that's part of what brought it to our attention is how people were, I think, thrilled with it, uh, especially, it's like the, the hot indie game this year, I would say, and I think that's enough for us to go forward, don't you? Yeah, I just heard my fine uh, ex-colleagues over at IGN on uh, their podcast, Gamescoop, which I guess I shouldn't shout out because they're direct competitors now. Uh, still a fine uh, pod. Anyway, I was saying, absolutely. I was just saying that they put it on the short list for Game of the Year, which I, I was shocked by that. I also heard that. You heard that, yeah. Yeah, it I'll did. Reveal my thoughts about that in a second. Yeah. We call the rants, and uh, mm. they begin now after we pass another checkpoint. So our little foxy soul has been ripped from our body, and we yearn to recover it for its XP value. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the way we go is me now. So player one plugging Typically. in, Swaim Rants. Yeah. Uh, I, this was a gradual slide into oblivion for me, Adam. I, I'll pull oh. an, are you ready for an Adam right now? I didn't really <laughs> like this game. That's, that's you. That's me as you. Uh, I and, would do that. And You're I right. do share that, or I share that emotional state right now because I wanted to like this game. Uh, There's a lot of buzz around this game for people who are into cute little indie games and champion as I am. Uh, I like Death's Door a whole lot. I like Hollow Knight a whole lot, which is almost a 2D version of this. Um, and I like games like I like I liked Link's Awakening. I like Isometric, blah, 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 blah. And when this started, I think I think this is the most like swing that I've ever had over the course of playing a game for this show, because I did play through the game entirely. And by entirely, I mean, I was not satisfied with the quote unquote bad ending, um, which is actually, which is really grim. It's like you fail and get trapped forever in an endless time loop where yep. you're always losing. Yep. And I was like, well, I don't want that ending. So I played, I played this game to its 
good end and conclusion, which requires you to do quite a significant additional amount of backtracking and legwork. So I sort of, I turned this game inside out. I did basically everything you, almost everything you can do with this game. And I started, my notes start with things like, um, wow, you pick up the instruction manual pages as you go. What a wonderful mechanic. Uh, and then end with the note, uh, oh my God, finally I found a gun so I can shoot myself after playing this goddamn <laughs> game. Because um, towards the end of the game, you can unlock a gun. I hate this game. <laughs> like, hate it. I came in, I'm saying I was enchanted immediately. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Liked it, liked it, mm. got peeved urge to kill rising urge to kill rising yeah. i hate this game i want to find andrew schultice and punch him in the face wow like that that was my emotional arc over the course of this game and i will break down exactly why in the game on section wow. but basically uh i just think there are a lot of elements that could have worked and then really don't like really really don't wow um at the story level at the mechanics level i already have issues with everything becoming Souls-like. Yep. I don't think it works here uh, for a lot of reasons that I can elucidate in finer detail. But I guess I'm just going to let it be a true rant, uh, an incendiary just, I don't like this, <laughs> which I rarely do. If you've listened to the show, I, I don't do that often, so I'm pulling that card this time, and we'll get into it. But I cede the floor to you. Hopefully, your hopefully slightly more positive take, because okay. I want people to enjoy games, and I want games to be good. Sure. Adam, do you have fun with it? What's your deal? Passing the reins. Thank you. Uh, player two, Adam Ganser, logging in, and I had the exact same experience that you had. <laughs> Literally exactly the same. Uh, I, I wanted to like this game a whole lot. It mixes two things I like a whole lot. Um, I also, you know, I like to read uh, video game critics' hype of games. It makes me aware of games I probably wouldn't play. Um, that's why, that's the only reason I checked in on Tunic at all, right? And I was like, okay, great. And I loved Hollow Knight, just like you said. I thought Hollow Knight was an excellent combination of a Metroidvania and Dark Souls with its own sort of vibe. Um, and I think that is actually the key ingredient for why it's good and this isn't. Hollow Knight, despite borrowing from other elements is its own distinct world and has its own distinct blend of those things. And that's really all I need to treat a game as though it's not entirely derivative, you know? Um, but the problem here is this game is, as far as I can tell, just purely aping in an algorithmic way things that you already like to make a game that you should like because of the math. The math says you should like this. You like Zelda. Link's Awakening was a popular title. This this way of uh, showing characters and stuff is cool and creative and gets buzz. If I put it all together and add a little Dark Souls to it, you should like it. And I actually, I think because of the particular bent we have on this podcast, got very frustrated with what I perceive to be a very cynical way of making a game. Like, now, I don't think that nostalgia is always bad. Obviously not. I've been selling nostalgia as part of my career since I got out of film school. So I can't be like a complete, uh, I can't beat my chest too hard. But I, I just feel like they didn't have more to say other than isn't Zelda cool? And isn't Dark Souls like the new cool thing? And don't you like animated, you know, isometric polygonal art styles? Then here it is, baby! Um, here are some things I found deeply frustrating about it. There's no real story that you can get from playing the game. 
You know, like even if you put the whole instruction manual together, the story is just vague visual illusions. And it's like, you know what, man? Uh, I, I grant Dark Souls a little license here because they put so much effort into the visual backstory that I know somebody knows the story here. So I'm willing to let it go that I don't understand it. This didn't have that effort at all, right? This, this was like, why is any of this happening at the end of the day? Right? Why am I fighting a giant other fox at the end of this game? Why am I doing that? Why is the shopkeeper a fox skeleton? Right. Like, what the why? fuck is this? You know, and I'm I'm like I'm not even particularly religious, but why is there a crucified alien in the swamp? That's offensive. That was to me. that was weird. Like, yeah, it was weird and yeah. also it's dumb. Uh and like so we're gonna agree on a lot of this stuff. So I do think there's an an interesting conversation to be had for what is the role of nostalgia in video games. I think this game brings that up in a way that, you know, we have to talk about. Um, I also think that this game, this, this is a little cynical, but I'm just going to put it out there because it's a suspicion I have. I feel like the guy who designed this game understood what appeals to people who have platforms about video games. You know what I mean? Because all the platforms are out there just thumping away at how great this game is. And it's like, you like it because you like these old video game instruction manuals. And because these are the games from your childhood. Like, there's no critical thinking in liking this game to me. I play this and it's like, dude, Zelda is, is the prime game of this. And it's so much better at this than this game is. And Dark Souls is so much better as a, as a franchise. And every iteration of it that's done by the FromSoft team is better than this. Like, why are we falling for this? I don't get it. I don't get why this one feels so cool and unique to you. It seems very cynical. And I'm sorry to the designer who I'm sure put his heart into it, and this is a labor of love. And far be it from me to disparage him. That's not what I want to yeah, do. I hope he doesn't hear this. I don't want people to I don't feel want bad. to disparage him. He shouldn't <laughs> feel bad, but I and I don't think that he consciously did what I'm saying. But I think the effect of the game is that it, it is very much attempting to sort of draft off these other more successful... IPs, and I don't think that's good for this medium. So I don't like this. That's the end of my rant. Wow. So if you listen to this podcast just as a simple review podcast, which I hope you don't. I hope you don't either. Uh, you're done now. You could not buy this game if you trust our review. Or do but if you really like having experiences that are exactly like the other ones you've already played. You know what I mean? Or if you know you disagree with us. Yeah, you know, use you us however you should use us. Right. But my point being... When we come back after the break, we'll be diving into what we like to use this podcast for, which is an interesting dissection of the semiotics involved and how it affected us and why yeah. and where the bug up our butt came from. So we'll get into it. We'll talk about the difference between iterating and algorithmically squashing nostalgia into your game uh, right after this. Yeah. Yeah. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. 
There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We are back. This is still one-upsmanship. That's still Adam Ganser. Still me. I'm still Michael Swain. Still you. And we're still talking about Tunic. We are. And uh, I wanted to bring it to, well, <laughs> do you want to do story or mechanics first? Well, okay. I feel How like, much do you have on story? Because like, if you have a lot, then I'd say let's do it first. If not, I'd say it's a thing we can wrap out with. If you have a lot to say okay. on the story, let's. That's r- what I was saying. Yeah, let's, let's. I mean, one of my notes is I hate this story, but okay. <laughs> and there's reasons why. But the story's so simplistic that I do think that's a shorter conversation. Okay. And where I really want to lead the conversation first to sort of establish credibility is or or just to explain what I mean so it wasn't just an emotional I don't like this. Right. Um the there's a bunch of mechanical reasons that I just don't think the things that they're trying to do panned out for them. Um, at the top, I, I literally had that note where I'm like, this instruction manual thing is so cool to me. Okay. I'm the right age. I worked at IGN. Yep. Like right. I like those things that works right. on me. Okay. I, I also think that's really cool. Then by the end I was writing or, you know, thinking, experiencing, I can't, I like, okay, I need every single instruction manual page in order to understand the puzzle so that I can get through this door just to get the next fucking item I need to level up. I don't want to do that much arcane, obscure stuff to level up. I don't want to backtrack that much to have to level up, but I can't beat this boss without leveling up. It has like fundamental actual balance issues. I felt yeah. that the boss fights did not feel fair other than maybe like they were the librarian hard. boss fight. Yeah. The librarian fight felt balanced and fun. That, and I want to say positive things when I can, but the other boss fights all felt like weirdly as if you're it's your first attempt at a from game, and you know that they need difficulty spikes, but you aren't as good as as from at balancing those spikes. Like there's there's no question that 
the balance in Tunic could have been refined further. And I thought, unlike From Games, which give you basically the one lever you can pull for people like me who are not innately super good at the reflex part, the one lever you can pull is I can grind souls and over-level and come back here. Yep. And that is something that Tunic takes away from you. Yeah, you can't do that, right. Because there are limiting special items that you need that you only get by beating the boss. So in other words, it's like, Level five is the max level you can be to fight this boss. The next step forward is beating that boss. There is no grinding. Beat the boss now. Right. And you are literally locked into the situation I hate most of all, which is, oh, I'm just going to sit here and do this 50 times. Yep. Okay, here we go. And, uh, man, every boss fight just paled in comparison to, if you like these isometric games, I highly recommend Death's Door, and I recommend specifically the old crow boss fight one that was of the best boss fights yeah. in like recent memory um in this like white void with this guy throwing chains at you and i just was i don't know all these boss fights failed paled in comparison in that way i thought that b- by the end there was this okay so th- to me the most egregious aspect is the it's cool that they made everything in an alien language. It's cool that they did it through it's, the instruction It's manual. kind of cool. Hold, hold on. It's, it's kind, kind of cool, cool yeah. that everything's cryptic, but by making everything cryptic, it's too fucking cryptic. Like, I mean, there were puzzles that you have to solve to proceed that the solution is like, go over by this thing that you literally can't see because of the way the camera Or understand, Just right. Know it's there and like find it, fucking go around that so, way. And, let's, and you're like, there's no fucking way I could have figured that out. Or it's like on page nine of the instruction manual, there's this weird symbol. If you match that to the symbol of this, it gives you a number. That number tells you how many squares left up and right to go. And it's like, fuck you. Let, and let's, I don't want to do this. Let's make a clear <laughs> distinction here. So, like, we talk about how From Software doesn't have a story, put that in quotes, all the time, right? But one thing, mm-hmm. and, and the, what we mean by that is that it doesn't present a story in a way that we can ingest by playing the game. We have to stop and look into shit in order to understand it. But it still has meaning that you can get. Like, if you want to do the work and the internet research, there is meaning that is available that the designers intended. So, like, when I fight something like Godric the Grafted in Elden Ring, it's like, there's a reason why he's, like, fusing arms and dragon heads and stuff to his body. You know, like there's a narrative reason for that. And it's cool, even if I don't get it from my experience. Tunic is obscured in a different way where you will never get the meaning to this. Like the alien language tells you there, this meaning cannot be had. All that can be had is the implication of meaning, which is exactly what I would. That is very different because it's not an effort problem. It's more like a nada. You know how these games don't really have story you can understand, right? That's what this is. One of those. But and I, but I hate that. Wants, yeah, it still wants you to feel that things are impactful. For example, there's a quote unquote twist where you realize that the pads you've been using to fast travel have alien bodies inside them. Okay. And it's cool. like so. Yeah. But it's treated like a momentous twist, and you're like, well, I don't know who those aliens are, what they mean or represent. Like, it, what do you, who cares? What are you Again, talking about? It assumes it's just more information. <laughs> it's, the thing, it's the thing we used to talk about at Cracked. Like, we started talking about it around the time Stranger Things came out, right? Which is this fear that algorithmically assembled premises and content would, would actually rob all those things of meaning instead of infusing them instantly with meaning. And it's it's exactly 
the problem here, which is that I the underlying assumption, whether conscious or not, is that this stuff is meaningful because it draws on the past, and that's all you need. And it's like, nah, man, there is a like the thing has to have its own inner life. And where does that inner life come from? Mm-hmm. You know, the artist and a vision and a story they want to tell. Something they need it's, to say. It's, <laughs> or right. And it's at least a gameplay mechanic that they think is so compelling that they need to bring it into the world. Yeah. To put this in the realm of the metaphysical, it's like a, it's like putting a bunch of bones and body parts together and assuming if I can just get them to fuse together, this will be a human being. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, it isn't that. You know what I mean? Like, and like anybody who understands the reality of human consciousness understands those body parts don't just equal consciousness. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, if we had that figured out, we would. We'd have already done we it. We should test that on our next stream. That would be fun. <laughs> right, exactly. Let's, te- let's put a body I, together and see. I dare say this may be the only video games podcast where anyone has ever said to take it to the metaphysical. Well, but, but, but that's <laughs> a really me. big problem yeah. with, I think, totally. art. And it's a concept that gets discussed a lot in sci-fi because they understand that they don't know the answer to it. That's what makes it interesting. This is a property that assumed it into itself. And I think that's why Mm. it doesn't work for me. Now, I do want to say that there are a lot of people out there who are not going to get frustrated with this on a philosophical level like I did. Uh, And those people will probably not be bothered by this thing and actually may enjoy it for that reason. I also want to say there's people who just like hacking and slashing and isometric shit. Right. And, And if you quit when you get bored with the game... You will not come away nearly as resentful as we did. I think an aspect of it is we felt the whole yeah we had to finish, finish the it. game. Yes, the game go is the the they pad it out with ending content that is really intense and hardcore, and the puzzles are really obscure. And I think they do that thinking only ten percent of people will play this. And I have to say we should leaven this whole conversation with the idea that if I had just quit the game when I thought that's enough of that. I would have a much higher opinion of it because I wouldn't have had to I think that's right through as much of the bullshit. But like, yeah, the the I don't know, because when you do attach to those story points and your brain tries to make something of them, then every everything becomes really stupid. Seem like right at the for the last half or the last third of a game, you're a ghost, but you can still die and respawn and collect your own ghost. What does that mean? <laughs> what right. is it? I, and it's like you shouldn't invite that question because you're not trying to operate at that level. But I, it's it, you're setting up a situation where it creates this strong feeling of cognitive dissonance, like almost like uh, how they used to torture people with cut up tapes all spliced together because it's like my brain wants to make sense of this so bad, right? But there's no sense to be made of it. It's well, exactly uh, because uh, the assumption is that if I do the form of the thing you'll experience the emotion of the thing, Um, which I don't need to say that over and over, but you're going to notice how often we come back to that problem. That's the core problem of this game. Um, So here's a couple things I thought were really good about it. Um, I thought once you got the teleporting power, this game finally felt like Dark Souls enough for me to like it. Uh, Like, so there's there's a teleporting power that you get like, I don't know, five eighths of the way through the game, maybe a little later than that. Um, and once you get to kind of skip around, I almost wish they'd have just given you that, like, I don't know, 30 minutes into this game, because it made it much more fun. You could actually dodge stuff, and it eliminated a problem that I thought this game had, which is your sword doesn't have a lot of reach. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the blink. Blink is great. Yeah, that, I thought yes. you meant fast travel. No, no, I mean... about the blink ability. Yes, I do. 
Um, and I, that's what I mean about the balance. Different items that were given to you at what I would call the wrong the wrong times. order. Yes, the yeah, wrong order. Yeah, very if much they so. had put forward a few of the things you get later in the game, I think that the whole experience would have been much better, and possibly the difficulty spike would have felt not as big of a problem. Because I would say I thought the librarian was actually kind of tough, but. I'm glad it didn't seem overwhelming to you. Tough, but it felt fair. It was fair. To me. The last like boss, their move set felt fair. The last boss was uh, really frustrating. I spent two hours on that boss, which is the second most I've ever spent on a not, boss. A lot of time. Not hard because it's not hard because it's finely tuned. Because that's the thing is, it's not as finely tuned as a From game. No way. So you not even close. So you don't. F you do feel ripped off a lot when the bosses kill you quickly, and you're like. Well, there was nothing I could have done about that. You know, right. Like, I don't know. The hitboxes are not are not crisp, it's, and, it, and it's it's part of the cute aesthetic, but it's at odds with the fair feeling you want from a hard from game. That's right. I, I I really do think it comes down to like the sword doesn't reach quite far enough. You don't have as many iframes in the dodge as I would want, uh, mm -hmm. and there's a whole lot of times in this game where. You know, you're put you're put on a pretty narrow ridge, and you can't really dodge. You know, what I mean, like that happens a lot in this game. Do you remember the sentient armors in the library? Absolutely. Back and yes, that was like that was the most for me. I was like, my only reward for beating this is I will not have to do this again. <laughs> that was the one that was just the wall well, for me. Well, <laughs> you and I played a little bit of Dark Souls One together a couple months ago, like mm -hmm. four or five months ago. And one of the things you were saying, if you remember, is like how frustrating it is to be stuck on these narrow little ridges and ramps and stuff and get in these sword fights that like get in your way of your sword and stuff. And I said, yeah, they fixed that in later Dark Souls. So it's weird mm -hmm. to me that we kind of repeated these mistakes with uh, with this game and further added the problem of the isometric point of view obscuring your character at times. Right, like so. Yeah. So you the the point of view is actually a real limitation as much as it is cute and fun, you know. Like, and it's frustrating. Yes. Um, That's what you don't want to play a from game where the boss can block your view of your character. Yes, you don't want that. Correct. Those things are counter each other. Yeah, Correct. I agree completely. And and uh, I think a thing that people got really thrilled about with this game that I agree was cool uh, is that the the fact that so many secret pathways are actually. They like hiding in plain sight because of the point of view that your camera is, right? So there's a bunch of like, oh, it's lousy with secret paths. Yeah, yeah, oh, I could have just walked around this side of it and found this secret path, which kind of mm -hmm. leads you to like start just walking around everything and seeing if you can uncover the and secret push paths. all the walls. Yeah, right. and I rarely discovered a secret path by cheating, so it was well designed in that way, uh, and it is cool. But again, it's it's more cool than it is rewarding. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, that rules. I'm more like, oh, that was clever. Okay, I get it. And it's a trick they keep going back to over and over and over. Mm -hmm. uh, so, But I wanted to mention it because I feel like people are going to really like that. And uh, I heard it talked about a lot on other video game podcasts and stuff, how much people like that. So it is yeah, cool, right? Reminds people of The Witness and stuff yes. like that. I'll say one nice thing about yeah. it. The ladder climb animation is legit great. It's cool. It's so cute yeah. and good. <laughs> he looks so cool climbing a ladder. Uh, How, but so anyway. Can I ask you a dumb question? I know this may seem really oh, stupid, but I sure. I'm, do you think that making that an art style that involves uh, sort of anthropomorphic animals has inherent meaning in it? Like, like does it have inherent 
enjoyment for you? Like, is there anything interesting about that decision? Because we see it a lot in indie games. What do you mean by inherent? Are you saying that would I be as interested if it was a little human? Yes, like that's exactly what I'm link? asking you. Yes, that's exactly what I'm uh, asking you. I think when you're playing with icons, mm -hmm. animals, characters are handier if you are doing this fable-like story because we associate, like when you say fox, I think of particular qualities, sly, whatever. When you say owl, I think wise, wise right. tootsie pop. Right? right, right, right. And when you say human, I think, well, I'd have to get to know them. They could be anything. Um, okay. So I do think animals are handy symbols for traits, and that's why we use them that way. Is that, my is that how this impression. game used them? Because I would say no. No, right. I would say they picked fox algorithmically as the type of animal that people think is cute and like, like it does feel like, well, people like foxes, right? Or, you know, Robin hood, people like foxes. Like, I, I think it is just a decision of what animal would be cool. Yeah. And they just picked one. I, I, yeah. I feel like I were, we're blasting this game apart, which is a bummer. Cause I don't think it should be, but I also, I think we're reacting in part to like, whereas death's door. It's like, Oh, he's a crow. Cause crows are associated with death. Well, like, that felt a, more you know, in, there's a immediately graspable, Logic it felt it. more embedded in a tradition or in a, a, a yeah. narrative concept that you could deduce from the way it's drawn and presented. You know, this game, it's like you're like, ah, I see a murder of crows. Oh, of course, they're the servants of death. That sure. makes sense. In an yeah. Interesting way. yeah. You know, like whereas this guy, it's like he he's sort of an anthropomorphic link who's like in a past but also future fight with uh what seemed aliens i guess ultimately. i mean no i i guess, I guess yeah. actually i i read a, a wikipedia like or not a wikipedia like ancient a, aliens i read some kind of a summary of what the story was about and like there this is very much like a cyclical thing again very zelda ish where right. you know the person you're fighting at the end was a previous version of you um but mm -hmm. I, but also i don't that was my understanding. I don't understand what that means. I don't know what that means. No, riddle me this. Yeah. I like I can understand that from it. Here's what but it was like then okay. That makes it sound like you're trying to tell a real story. So if I hold you to that, right. why is the ending that you show yourself the instruction manual and then yourself cries and then that's good or like what does any of those things mean you know what i mean like what am i supposed to get out of that why was assembling the instruction manual the thing that f breaks the cycle what is the instruction manual because in the game diegetically it looks like a video game instruction right. manual what is why is that the locus of power or story right meaning? it just doesn't cohese like did that summary you read have explained I, you know what i read a, i i checked in on a reddit thread uh that was mm -hmm. that had a lot of positing on what it means and i thought some people had very creative okay, so meanings people's theories yeah, yeah but that's all it is right it's people's theories and that is the benefit of right so to play devil's advocate right. you would say that's that's what you gain by being arcane and abstract people can get multiple things out of it people can get what they want out of it that, um, that, I just found it acutely frustrating at points when I'm pretty sure they weren't trying to be. I think that that description right there is also a little cynical about what abstract art is. Uh, I, I always go back to David Lynch because he's a handy he's a handy uh, access like access mm -hmm. point for people on this issue. The reason I think that David Lynch is good as an abstract artist is that he has objects that have meaning that are not clear but that have clear emotional value. Like you feel emotions about some of these things and being able to articulate exactly what it means is what eludes you. It's the opposite here in Tunic. 
where the objects, you, it assumes you have the emotional value, so it doesn't bother to explain it. Right? You know what I mean? So, therefore, you're not actually curious about it. It only explicates meaning. Right. It goes like, so you met the air. You had the instruction manual. The air cried. You win. And you go, okay, but am I? how am I supposed to feel about that and why? Right. Yeah. And it's it's the opposite missing. where like. What is the air? Yes, mean to me? exactly. Who is the air? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's no moment in this game that is the, the Yorando scene in Mulholland Drive where like something deeply spiritual and and profound happens that you understand mm-hmm. happened, but you can't articulate what it means. It, that's a key ingredient to abstract art, and it doesn't exist in this game. Um. Well, yeah, but everyone, all game critics are out here comparing Tunic to Mulholland Drive, so let's move into <laughs> fresher territory. Are they? Has that ever happened anywhere? <laughs> I, I doubt it. Um, yeah. I also just thought there's far too much backtracking and a PSA for people who are going to play this game, uh, and I didn't realize it till the fucking swamp level, which if you play the game, you'll know what this means, but holding the roll button, just like in a From game, makes you sprint. I did not know you could sprint in this game, and I was oh. constantly shocked by how slow they chose to make your walk speed. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I could yeah. not fathom why would they do this to me. <laughs> is yeah. this cute to you that he waddles so slowly? So, yes, there is a sprint in this game, and it makes it much easier. That's interesting. Be aware. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so this... I, I'll tell you something I really love. Oh, great. Uh, that I wish From Games did. And does Elden Ring? I don't think Elden Ring does this, but I love that when you grab your ghost, it sends out a force push shockwave. Oh, like it gives you a little space. When Mm. you recover your runes, so to speak, you get a little boosh and it feels very satisfying. I also thought getting the sword felt momentous. There's a few moments in the game where you're like, you nailed that moment by aping the way it's been done in previous good games, but you didn't fuck it up. You did the moment like getting the sword felt cool. Well, it's it's not entirely arbitrary and meaningless. I think the reason we're coming down so hard on it is that I think we see we saw the potential in the game for it to be a really cool game. Like that was sort of making self-aware commentary on the games that it's aping. That is the thing that would have made this like a 10 out of 10 for me is if they had yeah. really pushed the this was actually commenting on the nature of those old games that it's imitating. Uh, mm-hmm. then it's like, yeah, you know, I'm interested in that because I played those games and I like that you're selling me nostalgia, but also new perspective on what came in the past. You know, I enjoy the internet too. That's what the internet does, man. I get it. Right. Uh, but they didn't do um, that. Yeah. You know, um, they didn't do that. I did really like the score, the vaporwave chill vibes. I did too. Music yes. Was it was quite good. Really cool. Quite good. Um, did, have you ever played Hyperlight Drifter? I have not. Okay. So maybe that's one to... Very similar okay. vibe. Oh, well, but also a situation where I feel the potential, but feel like I like I didn't couldn't finish it. It, And then they did another one, uh, Solar Ash, and I feel the same way, where you get into it and you go like, great aesthetic, cool idea, not fun enough to play through the whole game. It, but fun. It's tough because there is actually a whole industry of like taking one of the four or five prime games that are like this. Like So by that I mean Castlevania... Metroid, yes, uh, Zelda, Zelda, Dark Souls. Yeah, Hyperlight is a Zelda like. Yeah, and yeah. I guess at this point, Rogue. Uh, like, like sort of taking from those five or six tent poles, and you know, mixing them up and coming up with a cool art style, and then putting it out, making your version. Yeah, and yeah, that's I mean, Death Store is also. And that. I, you know, to not be hypocritical, like 
certainly that happens in horror movies a lot and thrillers a lot. So like, and the right combination gets me interested, right? I thought Death's Door was a much better game because it felt like it had meaning. That was, you know, even if it's just a fairy tale that's self-contained, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I think it just goes to show like how difficult it is to uh, come up with a new gameplay loop, right? Like it's hard mm. because, uh, you know, Zelda and Metroid are such uh, tent poles of our game experience that. And yet there's an, it's amazing that there's technically an infinite number of possible, you know, any game loop. There's still genres of games that we haven't encountered that will come into existence that don't exist yet. And that's exciting. Absolutely. I have, I I am absolutely a hopeful gamer for what still lies in store for us. I don't think it's all been invented either. Uh, It's just, this is why I feel like we have to ask, we have to not like just buy games that are sort of like the thing we already like. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that, that creates the Marvel movie phenomenon, which is a thing I'm artistically opposed to, even though I've consumed them, which is, you know, bankable games that are bankable. Yeah. I don't want bankable games. I want games that are like challenging me or new, you know? Uh, right. Anyway, I, obviously, who doesn't, I guess. But but then again, we're all voting with our money, you know, so this is a thing we have to think about. Uh, yeah. Any Are there any parts of this game that you were truly transfixed by or like... Like really, did it get you for any period of time? Hmm. Um. Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I think, uh, it. Yeah, I was constantly. Uh, I was just more concerned with why can't I do that or oh I didn't know I could do that. Why didn't they tell me that earlier? That was I, that was basically my vibe the whole time. Like when I realized you could parry with the shield. I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was that like a From game. Okay, I can parry now. That's great. I wish someone had fucking told me four levels ago. Um, That was sort of my vibe from the second level onward was feeling like I understand what you're trying to do, but if you had just given me a little more information, I would have had so much more fun with your thing. It feels withholding. Uh, And... Uh, in the same way that a movie where you're trying to guess a twist and then at the end they reveal it and you go, well, that wasn't fair. You arbitrarily withheld a bunch of information. So obviously I couldn't guess who done it. Um, this sort of feels like it was pulling that maneuver on me. I was transfixed by my first hour with the game. I would say like the aesthetic when the, you know, the first blush of the aesthetic and the wash and the nostalgic feeling and the looking at the instruction manual and going, it really looks like an old instruction manual. They did it. We're really doing it. You guys, I, that's um, funny. That all worked on me yeah. well enough until it did. not It just wore I kind of started to like the game. Like I kind of started to get sucked back into it when we finally got into the mining area. Uh, although I thought the, the, the radiation, getting the gun and getting the blink, yeah, and the, well, I thought the radiation thing was really punitive. Like it was like you mm-hmm. really yes. paid for that. The purple, and it was light. like, all yeah. right, man. Uh, yeah, the pink purple light. But I thought that's where it started to feel like, oh, we're actually zeroing in on the story. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, and that's why I kind of think it may have been a little late. It actually should have been the midpoint of the story. Um, similar to mm-hmm. like I, Agreed. I always use this as a marker. The the middle of Halo One is when you meet the flood. Right. The middle of that game is when you meet and like that's what the real story is for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. It's a very memorable moment in the game. And that's why at the midpoint you meet him there. We needed the mind stuff there uh, for us to get interested in what this means. And the mind stuff is like 
I would say two thirds or four fifths of the way. It's through pretty late towards. Yeah, the end. it's pretty late. Yeah. Uh, so again, I I feel like maybe a rearrange like there could. <laughs> this sounds really condescending. If they had just rearranged the items, I think this game would be a much much better. Right. Oh no, I agree that that's what I'm saying. Is it's eighty percent there, and then the last twenty percent is incredibly frustrating to the point that it kind of ruin the experience for me but the 80 percent is still there I, all you had to do was give a couple more clues take out a few of the more punishing things or just nerf them slightly and give me a few of the key move items that change your move set a little earlier and it would be way better game yeah i i would not we would not be going off on a tirade about the hollow nature of algorithmically produced content. We would just be saying, I don't have much to say about this game because it was fun as hell. You Honestly, know what I mean? we, we uh, might not have covered it I, if we'd liked it, if we just liked it. We would have just let it go down smooth yeah. and pass through us. I right, think that's exactly. right. That that was sneaky why I asked you to play it because I was like, oh, I, I feel different than everybody else does about this. That's why I want to talk oh, about I it. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I thought you I thought you nominated this before playing nope. it. I played it and then I asked you to I was like you should play this because everybody's talking about it and I didn't tell you. Oh, so this has been an episode validating but so you're not crazy, man. Yes. (laughs) I had the exact same experience. Also, to be fair, so that everybody doesn't think we're just assholes, uh the interviews that I read, and I'm I'm pretty sure I don't have them in front of me, so I you know, I don't think I dreamt them. Uh the game designer is consciously imitating like that was the he is consciously imitating these games. Specifically Zelda. Oh, so it's yeah. not an unfair but he's saying that in interviews, which is to say like uh he is he is making this connection so that we're allowed to sort of assume it in and not be jerks. Uh right. yeah. I don't like to undermine an artist, so but he let me do that with this interview, so I'm saying that. Zelda never had an alien language though, right? Uh I don't I haven't I played like everyone. I mean, it's kind of a Futurama thing. Yeah, but. I haven't played everyone, but I bet so I don't know. No, I don't remember that. I don't remember there being a translation yeah. problem in Zelda. You know? But it, by the way, it reminded yeah. me a lot of Link's Awakening, right? Like it almost felt like it was directly yeah, that's aping the most. That. Right. Yeah. It's de- it's a uh, Souls Link's Awakening. Link's Soul. But I mean, he had to have been developing it before Link's Awakening came out, right? Like he didn't start this in 2020, right? I don't okay. know. Okay. All right. Well, doubtful though. Your timeline makes sense to me. Okay. No, no. It, it, this but was I didn't research This came up. this was shown in 2017 at a PC gaming show, so I'm looking at yeah. Okay. So okay. So, you know, that's just coincidental, I think. Um yeah, so I, I also kind of feel like there are other franchises I kind of wish that people were imitating or blending, you know? Uh, like, I just, mm. I, and I love FromSoft, that's well known, but, like, I'm tired of people taking from FromSoft, you know? Those are obscure yeah, I'm, well, games. I'm getting over it. I'm really interested in, I don't know why more people aren't aping um, Mirror's Edge and Titanfall. I agree, Titanfall, I f- yes. I, we, we need more games where you run on the wall yes. and parkour around stuff. I wish involve and then do other things as well. <laughs> I wish that Resident Evil's formula was getting copied more. People barely ever copy that. And that's and that true. is a that's really good formula. Like like I I we spent some time off mic talking about what are the best horror games and mm-hmm. it was pretty hard to like Resident Evil really stands out in the horror genre in part right. cuz they do such good puzzle item gatekeeping stuff like it's fun you know and nobody copies that really 
a from game mashed up with Animal Crossing. <laughs> Just build an island like, and it gets absorbed a really by a brutal dark lord. set of <laughs> a really brutal set of mundane tasks, and you have to do them, or you get like hideously punished <laughs> and have to start over. <laughs> That's right. That you build cool. your house and then it just gets burned to the ground by some beast. Or like, master. what if you do a set of mundane? What about a farming simulator? Yeah. But uh, the waves of monsters occasionally, att- you know, attack. And isn't that Minecraft? Throw spells. Isn't, I don't, isn't Minecraft yeah, basically doing I, that? There you go. Boom. I invented Minecraft. <laughs> Biggest game in the world. You're welcome. Enjoy your billions, sir. <laughs> if I had said what I just said 20 years ago, cool boy. I'd be a billionaire. Cool boy. <laughs> if you just said it in the world, it would have popped into existence like a creeper. But yes, I agree. There's plenty of combinations we haven't seen yet, which is makes it so interesting that, like, you know, let's do... Uh, oh, I'll tell you the tastiest combo, new combo I've experienced recently mm. is um, Age of Wonders Planetfall, which is a combination of Civ games oh. and XCOM oh. games. And that is such a good combo. Oh. Um, what are your favorite genres? I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> we're clearly out of stuff to yeah, talk we're, about. Yeah, we're, 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 we're getting out of it. I'll tell you right now, and we're going to do an episode about this, so I don't want to spoil my whole opinion. But after I played Return of Obra Dinn, I really, I really felt like so many games should be doing what this game is. Like, like there yep. are mechanics oh, yeah, in that that are really, really good that I don't really see in games. And I thought, I think like, hey, game industry, this thing, you could steal from it. Steal this. Steal it. Yeah. It's real good, man. Uh, I was looking around to see, is there like anything else doing this? Because I will buy that game immediately. Uh yeah, I don't want to spoil all of my opinions about Oberdin. They are somewhat complex. No, we'll be covering Oberdin, and I hope to someday cover his other game. Me papers, too. Please. I want to play it uh, now after after having played. And I, my real dream, I'll tell you, I'll just manifest this now. Big bucket list goal for this podcast would be to interview Lucas Pope. I think. Yeah. I think we gotta make that. Happen I hope. Someday. I hope so too. So knock on. I wood. hope so too. That yeah. guy. Uh, has cool ideas. Uh, absolutely, he's really doing it, Peter. He's really, really <laughs> doing it, Peter. Uh, should we take a little break and uh, pay some bills and come back with the ultimatum? What do you think? Yeah, man, it's gonna. I have to sort through some things, some metaphysical things, before <laughs> I can make this call. Let's let's take a little break. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick. And hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. 
Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Adam. Yeah. It didn't take as long as I thought I came to a decision. <laughs> I, I figured as much. Let's pass a checkpoint. Yeah. Uh, this So we're a ghost now, but we've absorbed a ghost. So now we're double ghosts. Yeah. And uh, that means it's time for keep or delete. We're wishing ourselves on a glowing plate into the ethereal realm. Right? Isn't mm-hmm. that what he, he doesn't he pray himself? We're getting there? imprisoned in a transparent D20 for some reason. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's our job, I guess. Yeah. And uh, basically, this is where we decide whether we would put this on a celestial hard drive designed to impress aliens when all they have left of humanity is the video games that we created. I'm going to go ahead and delete this, Adam, yeah, sure. for the reasons stated above. Right. Of course. Um, I do think it's interesting. Of those prime games that it's aping, I just wanted to check in. Do we have either of them on the drive? Like Hollow Knight, we do. Like, do we have we do. Zelda on the drive? Hollow Knight, we do. Ah. Uh, it's more of a Metroid than a Zelda-like, well, right? Well, of course, we're not going to keep a Zelda-like. Well, that, okay, so actually that brings up a question that I want to That's what ask. I'm saying. Is is Link's Awakening on the drive? No. no. Interesting. Uh, it, Interesting. It's not. we did cover it. We did cover it. Uh, so let me first say, yes, I will also be deleting it but for all the reasons we said. But it does bring up one last question I think is interesting, which is uh, – is there a game like is there a combo game like this that could ever get on this drive? That's what I wanted to get yeah. at as well. Yeah. So if you're aping prime games, are we ever gonna keep you or would we keep the prime game? Again, Hollow Knight we kept, and I think that was the right well, decision. I would argue that gaming is iterative and therefore there are new high watermarks later in time of that type of game. I don't think necessarily you should make the drive just because you were the first, but it does Agreed. bear some consideration that you were the first. A little bit. Yeah, for sure. I agree with but that. But it's not the whole of the equation. No, and I think I the say. intangible piece is what makes Hollow Knight so great. Uh, as I mean, we're not the first to say that. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I also think that the this 2D overhead Zelda experience... It's going to be hard to like. I'd have to, I'd have to find a very compelling case to keep something that isn't linked to the past, which is like so clearly the the best of that franchise's version of this. So yes. I'm I right. you know I'm not saying that it couldn't be done. I just want to see it. I want to hear it. You know. Yeah. Uh, we didn't keep Death's Door, did we? We didn't cover Death's Door. We didn't cover Death Star. No, because we didn't. That was a good game. It is. We could still, but right. we didn't. Uh, we didn't cover it. Maybe we will. Yeah, maybe we will. Maybe we will. That that would be interesting because that 
<laughs> you'd hear my opinion on a game that's almost exactly like this, but just different enough for me to like it. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways, but different. I mean, it has a couple very key differences that I think. Key, yeah, key. Yep. Yeah. That I think key is the key matter. word. There. <laughs> Beautiful. Um. Okay. Speaking of keys, shall I turn the key that kills the ignition on the engine of this show? Are we done? Yes. Let's get stranded on the highway of not being on a podcast anymore. Uh, all right. We'll be standing here on the side of the road, but we hope you'll, you know, rate us, review us, like us, subscribe, all the things you can do. Absolutely. Uh, most of all, if you like the show, we really are trying to make a big splash with iHeart. So, and, you know, with everyone, but iHeart especially. So spread the word. That's the main thing. If you can actually with your mouth or fingies typing on that keyboard, tell someone, hey, you might like one upsmanship if they're into games. Please do. It would help we us would out love a lot. It. Otherwise, if you already love us and can't get enough of us and want to hear us talk about other things like movies and comic books and pop culture and even more video games, you can find that over at patreon.com slash small beans where we run our own network called Small Beans. We sure do. So mosey on over there. We have uh, podcasts on so many other topics, ranging from multiverses yeah. to shared media to the craft of directing to films, both high art and low. Uh, we're very yeah. excited to talk Spielberg, about Spielberg, Futurama, Star Trek, all kinds of crap. Absolutely. So, hey, Mike, should we pray ourselves into oblivion? Uh, wait, wait, <laughs> is that... Is that what you felt the fox was doing? I thought doing? that's what it literally said he was doing. Am I oh, wrong? Oh, I guess, I guess it did say press the button to pray. Yeah, I thought, right? I thought it that did. That's a whole other wrinkle. I know. He's praying. To what? I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know either. To what? Yeah, I don't know. Is he praying to a previous version of himself? Tr- like, does he worship himself from another time? I try not to get too upset about stuff like that because... Nonsense. Because it's, it's really more... <laughs> that's actually just more formal, I think. Uh, and, you know, once in a while I do get mad about it. Uh, but this game felt like, nah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> not worth. <laughs> I'm not gonna get mad about that. <laughs> yeah, calm down, Adam. He yeah, ain't yeah, worth it. Not worth he it. He's worth not it. worth it, man. All right. Okay. Um, don't buy Tunic or do. No, I, I, if you, you look, if you like Tunic and you think, man, we really got it wrong. Actually, I'm happy to hear from you on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, as long as don't be a jerk about it. But I'm happy to hear why you love Tunic. Great. You know, uh, that's fine. And also, yeah. that's a valid experience. Have that experience. I wish I could have. My advice is enjoy it till you don't, and then set it down. Absolutely. Don't feel compelled to, to finish Tunic if you don't want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. But we're finished, and we're out. Work complete.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.